Hello and welcome to the Coaching Podcast, coaching for success in sport and business. Your host is Emma Doyle, the energy and high performance under pressure coach who is a world leader in unleashing human potential. Buckle up for this high octane session. Let them have it, coach. Hey, everybody, and welcome to the Coaching Podcast. My name's Emma Doyle, and I have the pleasure of interviewing Marta Spink today. She's a wife. She's a triplet mum, OMG. Can't wait to talk about that. TEDx speaker, author, empowerment coach, marketing strategist, and she helps women simplify their marketing and their business strategies based on personality. Can't wait to talk about that so that you can step into visibility, credibility, and profit. I mean, who wouldn't want that? Welcome to the show, Marta. Thank you so much. I'm so excited for us to talk today. Yes, absolutely. Now, of course, our good friend Lauren connected us, Mm -hmm. who's also a bundle of energy. So I can't wait to get started on this show. You are originally uh, from Brazil. Is that right? That's right. Yeah. So therefore, I have no idea whether they have Vegemite in Brazil, uh, but the Australian spread you put it on your toast now by your looking at your face I know this is an audio podcast mainly but um have you tried it have you been no I have no idea what it is now I need it <laughs> okay so usually at the international markets you'll find it but uh it's a quite a polarizing sour taste it looks like Nutella but does not taste anything like it okay and uh we grew up on it we love it uh so um usually you love it or you strongly dislike it so well, I'm going to ask you, would you try it? Would you give it a go? Oh, yeah. I'm super up for trying new things. <laughs> is, there a, is there a Brazilian spread that you used to put on your toast when you were younger that uh, you could mention? Yeah, well, there is one that's like cheese-based, and it's one of those things, either you like it or not. There's actually a couple different cheese things, products that are very Brazilian that usually Americans don't like because they feel like it gets stuck in, on the inside of their mouth, but Brazilians just love because of that because it just yeah. dominates your entire yeah. mouth. But there is a specific spread that I grew up with, and usually it's kind of like a counterpart of peanut butter. We would use that cheese spread, which is like a white gooey spread, and jelly and it tastes amazing <laughs> oh it tastes amazing all right so our follow-up question because you love this spread which you have to give us the name in a second but could you share with us a coaching moment that went really well and what might be a lesson or two I think for me and going along with the personalities something that has uh, been really helpful for me to understand is that not everybody is high energy like I am and I've always used to take that personally. In fact, my journey, and I think most people's journey is especially as an entrepreneur and especially as a coach, you learn to separate, right? Behavior and be like, this is not me. This is them. It has nothing to do with me. Working with people that are not high energy, it really helps me become aware of differences, right? And understand that if they're not giving me what I'm expecting, it's not because they dislike me. In fact, it's quite the opposite, right? They're just taking it all in, but they demonstrate it in a different way. And so I think I love working with high energy people. In fact, I was just talking on Voxer with the client, like all giddy. And I was like, I promise I'm not on crack. And then she responds and she was like, I love it because we both sound the same. <laughs> so we understand each other. And I was like, all right, sometimes I begin to feel bad. And then I remember who I'm talking to. Uh, but then there are those people that it's kind of seems like you're talking to a wall, not to be disrespectful of the other personality types, but it's just not the world I live in because I live in the world of excitement <laughs> and, you know, bubbly energy. 
Um, so it's, it's helped me be more respectful of people's differences. Hence why, one of the reasons why I've focused so much on differences and individuality in my coaching and in my business. Um, and it's just a great way for us to understand how to build relationships. I mean, we need this for our personal lives as well with our spouses, with our kids, with our families, with our friends, right? So why not take that coaching moment into life? Yeah, yeah. I I love that. Uh, respecting and differences and helping us remind ourselves before a coaching session as well, it's not about us. That's, yes. that's what about on the flip side? We, we always ask for the, the counter example, a coaching moment that really didn't go well and might, what might be a lesson? I don't necessarily know that it didn't go well because I've learned so much about reframing things. It's kind of hard for me. What was a big failure? Because it's like, hold on a second. There is no big failure. Everything has led to something positive, right? But I think early on in doing like free private sessions with people, not really knowing what the out, the end outcome was, I think, and having awkward interactions because I was listening to these people and already thinking in my mind, I have nothing to give. I don't know what to do with this, you know? And then in return, because it was free, asking them for a testimonial and being like, I wonder what they're going to even say because I felt like I didn't give anything. And I guess the reframing is there's always something to learn. There's always something positive. And it's been surprising to me, even the times when I feel like, well, I just added nothing to this person's life. It's generally not the case, right? Uh, Cause we live with ourselves so much. We think there's nothing new, nothing novel, but to people outside of ourselves, it's, it's, it could be encouraging and it could be usually the things that we think are the most uh, ordinary, right? Are the ones that be like, this is what I love the most. When I said, when you said that thing and I was, and, and you think to yourself, that's basic, you know, but to somebody else is not, I don't know if that answers the question. You know, it totally does. You're actually, again, speaking my philosophy, maybe we are both high energy and we are both doers. uh, But I love the concept of being able to reframe failure, Mm -hmm. fail and fail quickly. And then you just then you just reframe or you just pivot and you move on to the to the next thing. And I think also there's a good lesson there in valuing, valuing yourself around Mm -hmm the paid versus non-paid and yep. you know, how you get started and when you transition over. So it's lots, lots of cool reflection moments there. So thanks for sharing that. Mm-hmm. Our next question is called the sliding doors question. So, you know, when your life is heading one way and something uh-huh. or someone happens, mm-hmm. is there one that stands out for you that you could share with us about a, a real turning moment in your life? Well, triplets is definitely one of them. And I think for obvious reasons, but since you already talked about that, I'll share. I mean, we haven't fully talked about it. I'm happy to go into detail, but I think people would imagine why that is something crazy. Uh, but I think when I decided to move away from Brazil and marry my husband, that was, and as a fellow immigrant, I think you can commiserate with that one, especially because at the time I grew up in church and there were several people that had told me, this is not what you're supposed to do. This is not part of your purpose. This is not part of your calling. This is not the right person for you. And I decided to think and choose, I should know goodbye people. (laughs) And then I did it. And it was such a brave thing to do. I looking back at my 23 year old self, I'm like, Whoa, lady, like you were so freaking brave, you know? Um, and it's also taught me so much now that I have my own kids, how scary that is from a parent's perspective. So I, I, I definitely resonate now more so being on the other side, 
if, you know, my daughter was like, goodbye, moving to, I don't know, some other country, you know, wait a minute, you know? So I, (laughs) I totally understand that side of it, but the biggest lesson is self-trust, right? Um, I should know what I'm going to do and I need to stand behind my decisions and also from the side of the parent, but a parent as a coach, (laughs) being like, we have to take risks. We have to do things, especially in our twenties. I mean, throughout our lives, but that is a time for you to experiment. And again, one side of parent as a parent is like, no, please stay in the cocoon forever. But then as an evolved person and also a coach and entrepreneur and all of that, it's like, no, you're going to have to do scary things. I'm not going to be able to hold your hand always, but that's why I do what I do so that I can be there for you anyway. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I love that story. And do do you mind just sharing what was that moment like when you realized you were having triplets? Oh my gosh. Yeah. That was nuts because I'd been trying to get pregnant for a little over a year. And I was one of those people that was hell bent on doing everything like natural and home delivery. Like I was thinking about doing all the things that, you know, the unconventional, I guess, Western medicine, whatever, like I had friends that had gone down that route. So I was really in the rabbit hole of the whole thing, reading, watching. I had already talked to a doctor, uh, to an OBGYN that, you know, was able to do that. I'd already started looking into doulas and midwives and all that stuff. And then when I had the second ultrasound, because I had the first, the first, uh, the, the, the pharmacy test that, you know, said I, I was pregnant. And then when I had, I had a blood test to confirm next step ultrasound. And when I had the ultrasound and there were three in there, I just knew everything was out the window. You know, there was just no way I could go the exact same route. And I cried. I cried as soon as I walked out and I called my husband because I actually had the ultrasound without him at the time he wasn't able to make it. And I was devastated because it really seemed like all of my dreams, hopes and wishes, you know, as a mom had gone out the window and little did I know this was just the beginning. I mean, that's part of motherhood. You know, it was just more was more, mine was more intensified right off the bat, but it was like a, it was a grieving moment for me in such an unusual way because I was very excited to be a mom, but that's not what I was wanting or what I had expected. So lots of mixed emotions and obviously what uh, a big catalyst for the work that I do today was realizing, wow, what do I do when I can't control everything? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. What a, what a great uh, reflection question for us all to, to, you know, what's within our control really yeah. in one to a maximum of three words. What do you think makes a great coach? Boundaries being a listener, being a good listener, which is definitely more challenging for some, such as myself. (laughs) And I would say self-awareness. All right. Now you're allowed to expand. Okay. So I I guess the first one should be with self-awareness, right? Uh, I wanted to start with that because it's really hard to to, to enforce boundaries if you're not really aware, because that's when you understand your limitations and where you can start, start and stop. Right. So that is really important because of what we already talked about separation, right? This is me. This is you. This is how far I can take you. Uh, or this is what my scope is, right? It's it kind of really overlaps in a way. And, uh, in listening, because a lot of what I've learned now working under so many coaches and coaching myself is that coaching really is just being a sounding board. Oftentimes I have thought that being a coach was saying brilliant words, but that's more in the teaching sphere. Then in the coaching sphere, coach helps you think for yourself, 
And it's just, you know, to use a tennis analogy here to make me super on brand <laughs> is um, putting the ball back on their court, right? And it's like, but what do you think? What do you, you know, or paraphrasing what they say. And that's why you have to be a good listener so that you can then, and I say, and I think being a podcaster and interviewing has helped me a ton in my coaching as well, because you have to listen to be able to ask better questions. You can't just be, you know, on your phone or doing something else, thinking about, you know, la la land while somebody's sharing something, you have to be paying attention so that you can then have a follow-up and contribute. So yeah, I think those are the three important things there. I love it. I love it. And the other thing that I love that tennis can teach the business world, you know, the fact in tennis, you have to problem solve on your own. Mm. It's one of the few sports where, and I hope it doesn't, we're starting to move that way a little bit. And I hope it doesn't um, personally, that's my own preference Mm. about, I hope it stays one of those pure sports where the person is problem solving on their own out on the court where their character's exposed. And I really hope that it's the game stays that way so mm. that the person has to solve the problem for themselves, uh, which is coaching. I love that you just, yeah. um, the coach helps you think for yourself. That's, that's awesome. I love that, Marta. Uh, mm-hmm. Our final official question, then I get to tap into my listening and intuition skills, okay. is where I, we ask you to ask us a question. What's that one question that you love to ask of others? I think one of the big coaching questions for me that I felt like I was asked so many times and it finally, I finally had an answer for is one that I would like to ask because I feel like there's lots of a teaching in there is if you weren't afraid, what would you do? So maybe what was a moment when you realized, my gosh, I can do anything. (laughs) And then you just went and did it. (laughs) Like you were the only one stopping yourself. I love that question. It's, it's a beauty. Because you're taking away all the roadblocks that we normally put in in the way. And if you remove those roadblocks, what would you do? It's such a curiosity question. Mm -hmm. Which is coaching 101. (laughs) Yes, coaching 101. Being curious, isn't it? Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's also... it's also practice eight in my new book. I just had Ooh, to throw, I love it. Throw that. But speaking of books, let's let's go there. Let's talk about your book, The Empowered yes. Woman. I have a copy myself. Uh, I love the simplicity of the book. It helps uh, really me understand what marketing strategies are going to work best for me, based on the three um, the three profiles, which uh, the ideogram is is where you've drawn them from. Yeah. So. First of all, could you explain the, the three that you've condensed it into and, and where does it come from? And, and maybe one quick tip for each one if you were coaching that type of person. Yes, definitely. And well, just to go back to what we were just talking about, for me, the moment, one of the moments, but I think the, the, the most recent one of what would you do if you weren't afraid was really moving forward with publishing my book that I was sitting on the manuscript for a little bit. And I was like, gosh, darn it. Why am I taking so freaking long? And I just did it. And it was, you know, the best decision ever. So thank you so much for bringing up my book. I'm really proud of it. I outline my journey. I talk about coming from Brazil, like the things that I mentioned here before triplets and my desire to get to know myself that then led me to starting my coaching business. And the first step in my journey and what I recommend to clients and what I teach on really is that self-awareness piece. What I call notice yourself. You have like, like any love story, right? Where does it start? Although there are, you know, the love at first sight (laughs) situations, but where does it start is something stands out to you, right? Whether it be the way that they look, the way that they laugh, 
And then it start gr starts growing on you and, but you start with noticing and we forget that we are people and we need to be in that relationship with ourselves because that's the basis of every relationship. So what can you notice about yourself? What are your strengths? What are your weaknesses? What are your gifts? All of that. And what helped me in my journey was the Enneagram. So the Enneagram is a personality framework. It's not really a test, but there are tests online. There are also, you know, uh, pay tests that you can take. There are certified Enneagram coaches and experts that can help you with typing yourself. And I do outline all of the nine types of the Enneagram in my book, but after years of coaching, uh, women, especially in the Enneagram, I've, I know how challenging it could be to start diving into something that's so complex with nine types. So what I decided to do in a very, um, doer fashion, which is one of the three types is I decided to make it my own because why, why promote something else? <laughs> when I can create my own spin on it and say, this is mine. So this is what I did. So I created uh, three personality types. And what I'm calling them is a six figure personality types as I help women entrepreneurs to help them understand that your six figure self, your seven figure self, whatever your goal is, right? She is you right now. The only gap really, if you're not seeing it in the physical world materialized is your lack of self-awareness. You're not embracing all that she is. Therefore, she can't be that yet. She can't manifest herself fully into the world. So let's understand her more to give her room to grow and to, you know, show up as what she is. And so the three types are the feelers, the thinkers, and the doers, and they encompass each of them, three of the nine types. And the feelers um, are more, there's really a mix of introverts, extroverts, but the idea is they're more analytical, they're more observant and they're focused on uh, avoiding risk and keeping everyone, including themselves safe, which is what we all need uh, in some capacity. And I always say you, you would never want to walk on or under a bridge that I built because I don't really have that much attention to detail. I'm the type of person that is flying the plane and building the plane at the same time. But feelers would never be able to operate that way because they want to be prepared. And we need those people. We need the engineers, the architects of the world, right? So those are the feelers. Their strengths and weaknesses really are the same. And that's something that the Enneagram really helped me understand is that our strengths are our weaknesses and vice versa. The difference, self-awareness and self-acceptance as well. And then learning to leverage them, right? The thinkers also more analytical, vast majority introvert introverts because they're more withdrawn. They love just hanging out by themselves, you know, reading their book. When you think artists, when you think stereotypical scientists that are just off on their own for hours, don't need a lot of human interaction. Those are thinkers, but those are the people that we need for innovation in our world when they allow themselves to exteriorize what's inside of them. And that's why we play off of each other so much because thinkers can learn from doers to step out and say, this is what I have at the risk of being rejected, right? At the risk of being shunned. Otherwise humanity can't benefit from what they know and what they've developed. And finally doers, which is you and me, <laughs> are the go-getters, uh, super goal oriented, Action takers, obviously, the vast majority of people that accomplished lots in a lifetime. So when you look at doers, you see that they probably had, you know, they're like cats. They've had like nine lives in one. <laughs> they've reinvented themselves. They've done so much. And it's not that they are so special. It's just the way that they operate. Uh, but there is the downfall as well, which is burnout, exhaustion, um, attaching your identity and your worth to the things that you accomplish and do. When everyone else outside of yourself are, are saying, you're amazing. Inside, you're like, no, but I need to do this other thing to be amazing. And the 
other thing never stops happening, <laughs> you know, it never ends. So that's um, really the downfall. And oh my gosh, can I bring a sports analogy oh, while yes, we're oh, at it? <laughs> oh yes, my audience okay. is going to love this. I came up with this uh, when I was recording a podcast episode. I don't know when it was, but I was like, to illustrate my three personality types, let me, you know, bring in an analogy. When you think Tom Brady, right? Tom Brady's a doer. Everyone knows who he is, right? Everything is on his shoulders, so to speak. But we forget that he's not there by himself. There is no way there would be a Tom Brady. You know, mind you, he's extremely talented and think of any, you know, tennis players, anybody else. Obviously, these people have an innate talent, but they wouldn't have gotten to where they are on their own. They needed their coaches and our feelers are our coaches because they're there to be the devil's advocate, to be like, are you sure about this? Let's, let's watch that tape one more time. <laughs> you know, viewers are like, no, I'm, I'm ready to go to the field. I'm ready to go to the court. And the coach is like, no, let's rerun this one more time. And then you have the physicians, which I would say are the thinkers who are very specialized, zeroed in into one specific thing. They do not tend to be the celebrities unless something specific happens, an injury, then they come to light. Otherwise, nobody really knows who they are, <laughs> but they're very important. Without a physician, there is no athlete, right? So what do you think? <laughs> I think that uh, you explained it beautifully. And I think people even listening to this can then start to go, oh, I can resonate with that one. And m- even more importantly on this podcast, I love it when I get feedback that a guest said something that helped them either change who they needed to be mm. in that moment. Yeah. It might even just be whispering changing the tone, slowing down, Mm -hmm. which is hard when we're doers and we're, come on, you know, what are you going to take action on and by when? And they're like, hang on, I'm I'm still in my reality, am I? (laughs) So I love that. I just love the simplicity of of your model. Uh, And especially the one thing that really resonated for me when when I watched you present in person is how you change your marketing to reflect who you are, to make it easier for yourself, but yeah. also speak to the three audiences. Yes. Have your marketing mapped out so it speaks to the three audiences. So let's go there for me, Marta. What is one of the biggest things that holds women back from stepping into promoting themselves? Well, I think the biggest thing is they're probably looking at somebody else that is a different personality type and wanting to be that. And so it's it's just, it's swimming against the current, right? Why won't you just turn around And let the current do a little bit of the job for you, which is work with yourself. Mm. Majority of our lives, we're working against ourselves because we're trying to be somebody we're not. That's where that self-awareness comes in. Okay, then figure out who you are so that you can be that. And there's so much in the coaching world. And I know a lot of it has to do with my own personal journey and learning to not take things personally. But I think there's lots of, unfortunately, I don't want to say bad apples, but there are people out there that in the coaching world preach, this is the way, this is the only way, right? Because it worked for me. And there's a problem with that because not everyone is like you. So then you go, you know, you're a doer, somebody joins your program and they're a feeler and they're trying, they're following the formula because feelers are straight A students. They will follow the formula (laughs) and then it doesn't work. And then they will either think, well, something's wrong with you or what most likely usually happens, something's wrong with me. 
And that's not the reality of it. And I, the reason why, honestly, I came up with all of this and I started talking about all of this is because I noticed this in my clients. I noticed my feelers and thinkers being like, I can't do this again. You know, I just did a launch your way and I can't do it again. And I'm like, oh crap, I'm doing a disservice to these people by telling them that this is the only way because it's not, you have to figure out what it is for you. So I think that's the biggest thing holding people back is that they're trying to do things a different way or they have tried and they got so frustrated. They're like, I can't succeed then because if this is the only way to do this, I can't succeed. And so the idea is there is no one way. There is your way and you've yet to find it, right? There's your specific recipe of the combination of the different programs and strategies that you may find along the way and then make it your own. And it's hard to make something your own if you don't know who you are. Okay, so now I know who I am. Thank you for that, by the way. (laughs) Of course, which is a a continuous evolution. Uh, uh, Now I know who I am and I'm stuck because... This is a scenario, of course, mm-hmm. that you're going to coach me through because the social media, you know, yes, it's 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 reflecting more about who I am, but it's never good enough mm. or it's I got to post this many times a day or it just never feels right. What, what's your advice? Okay. So in general terms, what I usually tell clients, it's it's a whole, it's a guilt trip, right? There's lots of guilt. Because we think if I had done it differently, you know, had I posted one more time, I would have gotten that one client. And here, here I go again. Some people say this, if you had used a different word in your sales call, you could have turned it around. And I have come to realize that it's all part of the process. Let's let all of that crap go and understand a lot of it moves into energetics more so than, than, um, strategy here, which could be an energetic strategy in some sense, not to get too convoluted, but you know, what's meant to be, it's meant to be, or even the coaching question, what would, what advice would you have given your early stages entrepreneur? I've been saying, I hate that question. I mean, I understand the reflection (laughs) behind it, but it's like, I wouldn't have listened to myself. I wouldn't have. Otherwise, I would have done things differently. So why don't I just show some compassion for Marta a year, two years ago and understand that she did amazing, right? Because otherwise, especially as a doer, I'm continuing on on the freaking hamster wheel of that wasn't enough. Today is not enough. Tomorrow's probably not going to be enough. And then it never ends. I'm done with that. (laughs) If anything, this is what I'm moving towards with my messaging more and more is to be like, You have to trust yourself. How are you going to begin trusting yourself today if you're still resenting your decisions from yesterday? It doesn't work. You have to show yourself some forgiveness. So I would start that. And I know that's super overarching when it comes to, I need to post more times, but that's really where it begins. It's, Mm. I will trust that I've done enough, especially if you're in a burnout mode. If you still have some juice left and your intuition's telling you post again, please follow that. But if, you know, your mentor is saying you need to do a a billion more things and you're like, I can't, it's too much. Then listen to yourself. At the end of the day, you should know better than anybody. So I think that's the the first piece. Mm. And then also more specific to the personality types. For example, if you are a feeler, understanding that that's not going to be your forte, that is going to be an issue for you. If, and that's why I say as a coach, knowing who you're talking to, your advice must change. You can't give the same advice to feelers, sinkers, and doers, because if you tell a doer post again, they will do it. They're not going to second guess you, you know, now, if you tell a doer, don't do anything today, (laughs) they're going to go crazy. 
right? So that's most likely the advice that you should give because they're probably still going to do something, but they may do less than they would have otherwise, you know? Yeah. So think about your personality type specifically, and then say, am I doing this because I am defaulting to my autopilot of comfort? Or is this as much as I can go as I'm challenging myself, for example, as a feeler, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. It's, I always say, like, where's your stretch? I Mm -hmm. love the word stretch. Yeah. Because even as a doer, yes, sometimes we can jump 10 steps ahead, but then we, when we skip those five steps in the middle, it can sometimes be our downfall as well. Yes, exactly. So, uh, so I love the stretch concept um, within, within that. How do you trust yourself? I would say, again, it starts with self-awareness, but then the next step is self-forgiveness. And that's one of my favorite steps, concepts. Even as I'm talking about marketing, I'm like, forgive yourself, friend. And I don't see a whole lot of people doing that because it's the opposite. It's guilt tripping. Should have done it. Should have said this, should, you know, and it's like, no, I would have if I could. Now, what can I do differently? Isn't that so much more empowering? <laughs> and that's where the empowerment comes in. Empowerment does not happen from a place of self-hatred. And to bring in some fitness um, here, because there's the, the saying, you can't hate yourself skinny. I will bring it in and turn it around and say, you can't hate yourself successful. You can't hate yourself happy. I mean, at a certain point, maybe, but is it really going to be true success or are you going to be resenting yourself two minutes later, which is, you know, very typical in the entrepreneurial space. What's next? What's next? This wasn't enough. It has to start from that place of, I'm so proud of what I did today. And for me as a mom, this has been in the forefront as well. Like when my kids accomplish something big or small or when they fail, how do I react? How do I want them to feel versus how I react to myself? I would not talk to myself that same way. And we do it so easily with ourselves to saying that was trash. Do it again. (laughs) You know, you don't, you wouldn't do that, especially, you know, six-year-old, my gosh. So why, why are we so hard on ourselves? So I guess the first step really is stop beating yourself up so much. Mm. See how much farther along you can get. Mm. And FOMO is not really real. Of course. (laughs) It's not. It's just an illusion. Uh, so I, I love that. So on, on your kids, uh, I have no idea how old they are, but I'm, I'm curious about whether that one's a thinker, one's a feeler, one's a doer. And I'm also curious about what age do you think that somebody's personality is set mm-hmm. and how much can we, you know, let's say I'm a doer since I was the age of, you know, you could see it straight away. I'm a three-year-old and I'm do, 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 do. <laughs> Can I, can I change or is that pretty much set in concrete? Well, that's a great question. So they're six and a half. If you ask them, they're very particular about their fractions there. <laughs> I've been thinking about that because one of the other tools that I've used a lot in my coaching is the love languages. And it really dawned on me more than ever once I read the one for kids, because that's when it, you know, it, it gets you, it gets you deep when it's like, how can I really learn to show love a way that my child can appreciate it. And one of the things that Gary Chapman talks about in that book is that around the age of five is when you're going to notice a more defined love language, as opposed to right off the bat, they just want to be loved at always touch them, you know, tell them they're amazing, spend time with them. I mean, all of us are all of them (laughs) in some capacity, but there's more specific one for sure. So I think my kids being a six now, they're more, they're starting to develop specific traits, especially as they advance in school and tutoring. And I can tell which ones are more concerned about doing well, 
which ones are like, oh yeah, sweet, don't care, you know? Um, and it's interesting also to see how the characteristics from me and my husband are being combined in the in 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 one human, you know, all three at the same time. It's really fascinating. Now, in terms of so to answer your question, I feel like it takes at least five, six years old, you know, once they start having dealing with more problems, I guess. <laughs> Because that's really when your personality becomes defined is challenges come at you. How do you react? Okay, so you are this, you know. And so with the Enneagram specifically, traditionally, it does not change because it is something that comes from childhood. And it's something that I talk about in my book. A lot of the Enneagram traits develop because of childhood wounds, because of your environment, right? And the things you heard a lot. So then you developed this um, belief system, essentially. And that's why you behave this way. As for my kids, it's, I haven't really pinpointed it yet a whole lot. I know one of my boys, he is the one that has by far been more adamant about being particular about things because he's like a math genius at this point. (laughs) He's advancing so fast and he gets it and he prides himself in it and he does not want to do wrong. So his competitive side almost makes me feel like he's a doer, but because he's such attention to detail, I feel like he may lean towards a feeler more because like being a mathematician, that's more a feeler than a doer, a hundred percent. He's very specific about details and doing things correctly. Even if no one's watching, he's like, well, shouldn't we do this this way? And I'm like, no, it's okay. No one's seeing (laughs) You know, and it's like crap when your six-year-old's calling you out, you know, something's off. <laughs> um, so that's as far as I know. The other two are still kind of developing it, but yeah, we'll see. Fantastic. Uh, just out of my own curiosity, are the five love languages for kids different to adults? Or? So they're the same five love languages, oh, but there's the a different book that gives more uh, specifics on how to okay. handle that. And uh, I'm going to pop those in the show notes if anyone's curious curious to learn more of course i i turned them into the tennis taste formula uh, oh, yeah. so to help you remember them so i'll pop the tennis taste formula in the show notes and finally i'm going to finish with asking you in one to a maximum of three words oh, what do you think makes a great entrepreneur i would say resilience my gosh resilience i would say experimentation which goes hand in hand everything overlaps I was going to say, I wanted to look for something else, but since we already touched on it, and I think it overlaps again, is curiosity. It's not set in stone. Just keep keep experimenting. Keep asking questions. Mm, and keep bouncing back time and time again. Well, Marta, thank you for allowing us to reflect on our strengths, which is having self-awareness around that. Uh, mm-hmm. Thank you for everybody for listening to Marta's wisdom. Mm-hmm. And uh, remember that... To be an empowered woman or man, Mm -hmm. uh, it takes courage. It takes bravery, trust, and take action on your decisions. Thank you so much for being on the coaching podcast. Thank you. This was so fun.